in the morning rising, new days upon us rising, go and tell the others we are rising once again, rising, early in the morning rising, new days upon us rising, go and tell the others we are rising Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. You're here all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed early and all. I always appreciate that about appreciate that about you, Tamson. Well, you know, when I'm when I'm here, I'm here. Yeah. That's okay. How's your week been? Uh, it's been challenging for sure. Oh boy. A lot going on. No, not I mean not personally, but there's just all this other outside noise. But, yeah. Yeah, a lot of things are happening. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, I'm traveling this week, so things oh. are a little bit more challenging when I'm traveling, but we got it pretty down to a of science. Of course. <laughs> I'm just going to go share the couple, invite some people in here as well. So I'll be right back. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing on this Saturday morning? I'll tell you, I'm a little bit tired. Doing well. A little bit tired, too. It was a very, very busy week. That's what Tamsin was saying. You said it's just kind of been a crazy week this week. Good morning, Maka. How are you? I've had like 18 shots of espresso. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So this should be fun That's the then. Only way I need like some that of that. I need a little bit of that. By the way, that oh, I. Of... <laughs> Jean, been learning how to use it. I am primed and ready to go. Awesome! That's fantastic. Okay, well, we're just waiting for a few more people to join, but I'm going to go ahead and get us started so we can get into our content because we have quite a bit today. So welcome, everyone, uh, to the Learning to Lead Clubhouse, where we meet every Saturday morning, 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White, and we're your co-hosts for this clubhouse. It was created as a forum to talk about everything leadership, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. In addition, this is a forum to learn and hone your leadership skills, either by investing in yourself or others in the room. Um, there's leaders that join us here uh, with at all levels and industries, and they bring a broad 
diversity of experience and perspective, which we appreciate. So whether you're here as an entry level or a seasoned leader, this is the forum where we can learn and support each other on our leadership journeys. May I invite a few more people up here and I'll go through the housekeeping real quick. Good morning, everyone. Um, so just a couple of things. Number one, I wanted to let everyone know that we will not be meeting next week. We're going to take a break for the holiday. We figure everyone's probably got some great plans to go out and enjoy their life. And that's important for all of us to make space to nurture ourselves and, and rejuvenate. So the housekeeping here is just remember that this is a official clubhouse. We encourage everyone to follow us. Well, you, you can just click on the greenhouse icon at the top and also encourage you to follow others in the room to grow your network uh, and get connected with like-minded leaders. Um, you can share the group, uh, the room, excuse me, if you would like to with the icon at the bottom. Um, you can share it out with anyone who's following you and bring some others in here into the discussion. There's a couple different ways you can communicate with us. You can use the chat feature at the bottom. Uh, you can DM us on, or you can use Instagram. Or you can also uh, reach out to us on our Substack website. And we encourage you to take advantage of our replays and recaps, share this with others as well, and the resources that we do post on LinkedIn, as well as we post on Substack. So on Substack and uh, LinkedIn, you can get the recordings if you miss a session. Um, you, we always encourage you to uh, also subscribe to our Substack website where you can get all the content as well as additional resources that we post out there. So again, thank you everyone for taking time out of your Saturday morning to be here with us. And I'm gonna yield my mic over to Kelly. Thanks for the intro and I echo that. Thank you for spending the time with us. As always, we'll keep this to one hour and we will share the replay tomorrow. Um, and I hope everybody enjoys uh, a little bit of a break next week and I hope you have some fun plans uh, as well. So uh, as usual, I always like to remind everyone that Reflection and checking in with yourself is really important. So um, as we round table and talk about just even one word that's, you know, so kind of wraps up how your week went. I know there was a lot going on in the world in general as well. So I think we all had a mix, probably mixed emotions that kicked in potentially yesterday, but uh, it's really important to see how you're doing uh, both personally, professionally, even based on things that are happening around you. So with that, I'm going to round table and ask everyone to share their word of the week. And I'll start with Tamson. Good morning. Good morning, Kelly. I'm going to go with busy. Uh, I'm getting my feet under me in my new role, and it's, it, I mean, there's a lot going on, um, but yeah, busy's, busy's really where we're at. I can absolutely relate to that. Uh, Mako. Oh, sorry, I was on text doing something else. Ah, uh, what was my word of the week? Uh, I don't know. I traveled this week, got an espresso machine this week, had some really big highs, really big lows. I don't know. It's totally scattered. Yeah, travel is always a treat, right? It throws us out of our, our routines in a lot of it ways. It sucks. Right? Let me just tell you, like I was I was looking I was looking at like, you know, the and I put it in my, my newsletter, but like I was looking at like pictures of travel, like air travel in the nineteen fifties. And like it used to be like awesome. Like it sucks now. It is just I mean, awful. If you smoked cigarettes, I guess it would have been awful. Oh, you had like you wore a tie. You got like served on fine china. I literally had like a dog jumping around like in the seat next to me. Like it was just crazy. Like I don't. What's happened? Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Thank you for that. Oh, I see. Oh, and Kelly, you travel. You travel a lot too. Like you see all sorts of like wacky stuff, right? Like I've seen people clip their toenails on planes. It's just crazy. It's just it's it's just crazy. You survived it. Made it to the other side. Uh, Chuck, good morning. 
Hey, good morning. Um, this is chaos, and I, I feel like I'm coming out, you know, from the the um, the more chaotic of of just you know life and the and you know the move and um, balancing the move and work and everything else that's going on. But um, yeah, I would throw some frustration in there too, you know, from the end of the week, and we all saw what was coming. But still, when it happens, nonetheless, um, it was painful yesterday with that news. But uh, um, Mako, there was um, <laughs> there's a great Instagram channel called Passenger Shaming, or she called Passenger Shaming, where they show a lot of the people doing all that crazy stuff on planes. It's there's some really gross stuff that happens. Oh, I like that. Oh, I, you know, I, I at one point in my career when I was at Disney, I wanted to do a people people of Disneyland. Like uh, uh, chat, you see some wild stuff down there too. Oh, the internet! It gives us so much uh, varying degrees. Uh, and yes, Chuck, I can completely relay. Good morning, Gary. How are you? It's good to good to see you or hear you, I should say. Yeah, good to be back. So my word of the week is going to be relaxed. Um, we've been our weekends have been very full the last couple of months, which is why I haven't been on, but. This weekend, we've decided to take a break, and uh, so I'm relaxed. Fantastic. Good to hear, and hope that, you know, continues through your weekend. And I know we're kicking off summer, so it gets varying degrees of how we use that time to both recharge, relax, and then have a little bit of fun, too. Chad, good morning. Good morning. I'm going to just say it's complex. There's some highs, there's some lows, like the other folks are saying. But uh, it's been a good week, I guess. There you go. Hey, that's good too. Again, this is part of the reflection is highs and lows, good weeks, relaxing weeks, busy weeks, chaotic weeks. It's a whole mix. So it's always interesting to kind of see how things have been trending. Tamara. Uh, my word for this week, I'm, I sum it up to connection. I've been doing a lot of networking, connecting with uh, lots of folks I haven't talked with in some time and, um, you know, just just kind of synergizing. And a lot of people are going through a lot of things right now, and, and I feel like I've been able to be helpful. They've been able to be helpful to me as well. So it's just been really uh, a lot of fun, a, a lot of fun networking and connecting. That is great to hear. And I know you shared this week your your movement into coaching more publicly on LinkedIn, which is awesome. Um I, I will round out the week. I have uh, many, many words that I resonate that have already been shared. Um, and I, I probably would have ended my week potentially with the word challenging. It was a it was a busy week. It was a challenging week in a lot of ways. But I will instead use the word um, reflection because although I, again, as I look back on my week, there were some really um, uh, hard days, some things happening that were hard to work through and definite growth opportunities that we I was kind of working through as a leader. But there were also moments of, of really growing and stretching. And I attended a class on uh, personal branding, which was really fascinating. And it was a good reminder of taking a step back, investing in myself as an individual and as a leader, um, understanding myself better and not getting too caught up, you know, in the week and, and the things that happen day to day and making sure that I'm stepping back and trying to see the big picture of, of where I'm going and what I care about and what's really important. So again, very much a theme of why we go through the word of the week is that reminding of, of us kind of always doing that and stepping back from the busyness of the world and things that take our time and attention and making sure that we're putting our time and attention to things that, that really are, are value to us. So with that, thank you, of course, for, for sharing your word of the week. I always really enjoy that. We have, as of last week, kicked off a new series where we're really focusing on 
uh, the book Multiplier by Liz Wiseman. And it's a really fascinating book. And, and you know, Tamara really brought this forward as one that she's really enjoyed. And I've, I've received a lot of great kind of reviews on this topic. And, you know, last week, we kind of introduced a lot of the concepts of understanding you know, what is a, a multiplier and what is a diminisher and what are the traits around both to, to kind of pay attention to and think about. This week, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and we're going to talk about talent. And the idea when you think about a multiplier and a diminisher is, you know, the talent magnet, the person that attracts talent versus the person that might be an empire builder or just maybe hoard uh, talent. So we're gonna dig into this, we're gonna talk about what this means, and we're gonna talk about some of the things that you can do to really start to embody a talent magnet. But as we get into the conversation, you know, there's a lot here to get through. I wanna kind of ask you to start thinking about some concepts at the top of this, which is, you know, think about how you've approached building a team or hiring. You know, what do you look for? What motivates you in that hiring? How do you define success? When and how do you build teams? How often is it something that is happening to you? Like you get put into a role and you now have a team or you absorb a team. And how often is it that you're actually building a team and expanding a team and you're taking the action? And thinking about the differences in, again, looking at that talent, how often is it driven purely by the work that needs to be accomplished versus also by the culture that you're trying to create? who you're trying to attract and why. And also what does success look like within your team, both the outcomes of that team, as well as the individuals on your team. So I kind of plant all those seeds, we'll open the conversation as I get through some of these concepts, but I'm gonna start with just going into kind of what is a talent magnet and what is an empire builder and some of the concepts around this and kind of how you can think about some of the shorthands. And a lot of this will be similar to last week. And if you missed last week, no problem, we have a replay, but it will kind of reinforce some of the concepts of multipliers and diminishers. So talent magnets really operate at the highest point of contribution. They are really about attracting the best talent, utilizing talent to the fullest potential. They ready talent for the next stage in their careers. And it's a really important differentiator. They have a reputation of delivering results and creating a place for talented people to grow. They accelerate performance and they grow genius. They accelerate the careers of others. And they really kind of spawn this virtuous cycle of attraction. So if we think about, you know, the, the empire builders, those are people who might bring in top talent. They might have big opportunities and big promises, but may not really be able to utilize that talent. They might really hoard, they hold on to resources. They potentially could disenchant talented people that have really great potential. They may amass resources purely and really with the focus of self-promotion and their own gain. And sometimes this can spawn a vicious cycle of decline. So if we talk about, you know, are you a talent magnet? Some of the things that you can think about, you know, just even thinking about, you know, leaders that you've worked with and where they sit within this, in these two groups or a mix of these two different groups. For yourself, think about, you know, how do, how do you describe, um, you know, the people that you work with and when you think about your leaders, but also how do you think people would describe you, right? Are you somebody who recognizes talent? Do you bring people in? Are you able to utilize them, you know, to their fullest potential? You know, when they say, would you say that people have grown more as a result of working with you versus maybe other leaders? 
Are you somebody who brings people into the organization and really involves them and taps into their potential versus maybe, you know, deploying them and leaving them out there to kind of languish or figure out on their own? Do people seek you out to work for you? It's a really interesting one. And it can be hard to get to that point. That could be a lot of factors can feed into that. I want to pause here because I, there's a lot of content. Are there any immediate reactions that come to mind, both maybe leaders that you have seen that sit in a, they're a talent magnet category or an empire, empire builder, and kind of even reactions as far as how you reflect on how you show up as a leader and where do you see yourself? And you may not know as we're kind of going through that, but I will pause making sure that I kind of, you know, hear any reactions, thoughts, or additions that you have as far as hearing some of the traits of a talent magnet versus an empire builder. All right, I'll go. Um, Cause I'm like super hyped up. I, I have espresso bean recommendations too. I might have to share those. Uh, let's see for me, uh, actions over words. I mean, we said it a thousand times, right? Like if you're a leader that actions on the things that you say you're going to do, and then also protect your employees time and like, you know, give them that, that balance they need. I think that's a huge attractor to people. Uh, they want to come work for that type of leader. I think that, you know, uh, we've all worked for those that are in it for themselves. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's pretty apparent when, when your leader is like that. So I don't know. I mean, this, just for me, it's just, it's simple on actioning and protecting, you know, protecting the yes to, or, you know, enabling you to say no and, and really giving people air cover. Yeah, and to follow on to that, I think another key aspect is tailoring what you assign or give to those resources to what fulfills them and you know what they're good at yeah oh is this to say yeah those i i appreciate that and i think i think what we're going to learn as we go through this as well is and again we're always kind of looking for this uh non-traditional or something that's a little bit more um thought-provoking as a as a lead you know in leadership and so with the with the talent magnet one of the things you're going to learn today is about how they actually do exactly what both of you were speaking about, about, you know, like giving the people space to grow, supporting them, buffering them, et cetera, because it's, 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 it's not just, it's like, it's, it's a very strategic way of evaluating uh, your talent. And then how do you get full potential and then actually a little bit more out of them. And then ultimately with the talent magnet, they will, hopefully send them off flying away to somewhere else because they got a line behind them that wants to work for them because that's the type of leader they are. They really attract people and they actually end up attracting people to the organization as a whole as well because of their leadership style. Well, I think it's also setting the bar, right? You know, it's like you want to, and this might be, you know, individually styled, and, but like you want to set the bar like this, you know, and I think Kelly, you mentioned it this week in, in one of the Kelly uh, notes that you sent this week, um, Kelly's fortune cookies, I'm calling it. Uh, but like, it was about, you know, mediocrity, right? Like mediocrity brews mediocrity. And that's something that you see a lot of. And one thing I like to do is just set the bar above it. Like I tell my teams lots of times, like we want to be the best team. Like we want everyone to want to work here. We want, uh, uh, you know, other teams to emulate how we're doing things because we want to set the bar, right? And like, you know, we want to be the place that uh, everybody desires to work and how we do that is about, you know, our actions and also setting just a high level of, you know, excellence on on everything we do. But 
you have to play real hard and like really craft time for people. And I, th I think that is very, very important. Um, you know, Gary's worked for me, so he, you know, he, he knows. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I think it's just a different way to think about it, you know, whereas you have other people that you see that all they're, they're interested in is like their values worth the size of their org. And it's, it's, it's kind of horrible. No, I agree with that. I think over the pandemic, we've lost a lot of that sort of play hard as well. So, you know, just over the last week, a couple of weeks, as people have started traveling again, I've made sure when people have been down in California or Florida that they they take the last day of their trip and just go to Disneyland or Disney World and and have some fun as a team and get back together and, and, and really start to uh, to bond again which has been missing for a few years. Yeah, those are all fantastic points. And I, I think, Will, those will be reinforced, but you're you're on both both parts and what was shared and what Samson shared as well. I think it's, you know, a lot of these, these concepts, which is, it is about setting a bar. And as we talk about, you know, uh, the, the high performing teams and, and I think, Mako, to your point, right, you know, being a team that you want everyone to want to be a part of, it is about a really great culture, but it is also about, a high bar of performance. And again, I think that's very much this concept for today and a lot within this book about, it is about the potential of others and how do you tap into that uh, and unleash that because that's when people actually can start to feel valued and feel like they're actually growing with you as a leader. And as we'll hit on it, when success looks like, which is them growing and moving to the next stage of their career as part of working with you. So I'm gonna go into um, very much building on this this idea of a cycle of attraction. And, you know, there's a, a, a little story that, that's included um, in this week's research that, that Tamara pulled for, for this conversation. And it's about, you know, a, a, a British explorer. So in 1914, there's a British explorer and he's getting ready to embark um, to Antarctica. So a very long and very dangerous uh, expedition. And he posted a, an advertisement to recruit for a crew. And the, the advertisement said, men wanted for a hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. So surprisingly, hundreds of men applied and the explorer with the wisdom of an experienced captain staffed his crew with men of certain orientation. Those were, were attracted to adventure and recognition and realistically prepared for hardship. Um, the, this, 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 uh, his name was, uh, Ernest in this example, you know, he had the ability to really identify and attract who he needed in order to have, you know, the, the confidence to build the right team, which was going to be a blend of raw talent, as well as the mix of intelligence needed for the, for the challenge. Hey, hey Kelly, can you put that quote in the, in the summary on that? I need to put that yeah. in my job descriptions. Like when I, sure, yeah, J when I do when I do JDs, like I am, I'm putting that quote in. <laughs> I know that's a good one. Um, so when you think about this 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 story, right, this example of attracting, it is very much about being able to find and hire those that that have an ability, right. There's definitely, you know, in this example, you know, you're not going to hire somebody who doesn't know anything about, you know, sailing or expeditions or, you know, what it means to be on a ship going to the Antarctica. But you're also 
putting them in a situation that will require, to make your point, set a bar very high to potentially be able to come, those A players, to rise to a level they may not have been able to previously and receive the recognition of their work by achieving something that may have been very difficult. They're also creating an environment where they can be successful, both with the coaching and investment of, in this in this state, a really experienced captain, um, but they're all working together to really unlock the potential of each individual, being able to be offered bigger opportunities and seize within themselves this idea of what they can be under the leadership of that talent magnet. And this is really about, again, utilization and growth and opportunity. It works across multiple people, it works across orgs, it works across leaders, but it's about the opportunity to tap into talent, see it, and then be able to invest and grow. And this is really what, when we talk about a cycle, when we think about even this example of you know hundreds of people applying, is you want people to be seeking this out, which then creates this constant flow of talent. I'm going to talk now about the cycle of decline. You know, so as we think about, you know, most of these things that we talked about last week, they're not polar opposites. There's often blends. So we have to understand, even though they might be positioned and spoken about as polar opposites, you know, where some of these things show up and why, so that we're more aware as leaders. So in a cycle of decline, empire builders are often at risk of this. So what ends up happening is, you know, they might, start with a cycle of attraction where they're bringing in a lot of talent, but it can end up becoming a, a situation where they've surrounded themselves with a lot of A players who have a lot of potential, but they're not able to actually unlock or tap into that a talent because their focus is much more on their own ability to appear smarter and more powerful. It's more about their own position, where we talk a lot about the risk of ego. They They work hard, but they hoard their resources and they may really focus much more on boxes on an org chart and roles people have to play that may inherently become very limiting, even if they have really, you know, top talent or amazing talent or genius talent within that org. The the A players as a result of this often get, you know, un, they're not very much noticed for their work and they will lose intellectual confidence. And I think this is a really important point because we we talk as leaders about you know, what it means to lose talent, you know, as people are not invested and they may leave or the culture may suffer or they, they fall to a lower level of performance because to, you know, the, the, the bar becomes lower, right? Mediocrity becomes mediocrity and it's a vicious cycle. But I think the other risk here that both as individuals we should be aware of and for our teams, there's a very real risk that we start to impact the confidence of others. And ourselves. So if you've ever been in a situation where you've worked with an empire builder or a diminisher that's much more focused on their own career and you start to question your ability, that's a really dangerous situation to be in. And it's something to be aware of because we talk a lot about imposter syndrome and all these other concepts, but it's it's really important to identify when you might be in an environment that is detrimental to you, not only for your career, but where you might be starting to question your own confidence and your intellectual ability. So it's something, again, to be aware of on both sides. And the, this we can see both in ourselves and others, but you know, talent will become disengaged, right? That's something that's a very big risk here. And people will kind of step back into the shadows. They kind of become more invisible. And they, they realize that even with this loss of intellectual confidence, they, they can have a real hit to their value in the job market and op opportunities. So they're no longer seeing that there's something out there for them or engaging in the same way. They're kind of waiting maybe and seeing if things will turn around, hoping for the best. And I like the term that hope is not a strategy. 
So, you know, when we think about the, the cycle of decline, there's a lot of risk here, which is that we have to make sure that we're not just leaving careers for you know, to die for people to kind of languish on the vine because they're now just a part of an organization and expected to be in a box. So as I mentioned, you know, these are two very, the position is very much polar opposites, but it's things to pay attention to both as individuals, if you may have worked for a leader like this, um, but also being very aware that we don't become those leaders, that we don't fall into that category of, you know, setting the bar lower or, you know, what we talked about even last week when it comes to expecting our teams to operate at a certain level, we'll hit on this again, that we are expecting that across the board. And that means that we're paying attention to all of our talent and we're not, you know, letting some individuals that might not be operating at the right level or at the level that we're expecting of our team kind of hide in the shadows to some extent that might bring our entire team down. So I'm going to pause there. I said a lot. Um, any immediate reactions or things that you would add as far as, again, experiences you've had with the empire builder example, um, you know, both yourself or as you, what you've seen with, with leaders that you may have had in the past. I'm going to jump in and add just a couple of things. Um, you know, when, when we're talking about kind of going back to the, 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 the talent magnet, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, people that are, you know, the, the real talented, the A player people, you know, these people want to be challenged. They have a lot of confidence. They want to be stretched. They want to grow. They want to excel. And so that's what really truly draws them to the talent manager who, you know, who is, uh, you know, functioning. And, and, I, and I'm kind of tying this back also to the cycle of decline or the empire builder, which is, you know, a leader who kind of goes through their days sort of thoughtlessly, thought, thoughtlessly yes, um, versus, you know, having this higher level of awareness, which we've talked about for weeks about all the things we need to be aware of, of, of ourselves as a leader. And when we're in that level of, of awareness, then we can be intentional with our strategy, right? And so, you know, I think sometimes the empire builder, from my perspective, I've worked for a lot of them. And I think sometimes they're, they're just, sometimes it's intentional. It's quite intentional. Um, but it's also sometimes they don't even realize they're doing it. And even honestly, people can vacillate between the two. They can pivot between being an empire builder at times, especially if stress is involved and being a talent magnet other at other times as well. But I think just, you know, building um, on everything that we continue to talk about in this clubhouse is that, you know, it starts with the fundamentals, the foundation as a leader, you know, knowing again, you, you know, your values, being a values-based leader, being highly, a, a much higher level of consciousness and awareness that has to be present in you to really be able to take this to the next level. Um, those are just some of the, some of the thoughts I just want to add into this that I think about when I uh, consider even myself as a leader or others I've worked for. Yeah, and I will just add that, you know, it's interesting as you were talking about that, Tamara, because I think one of the other shorthand things that I've seen in the past is I think the leaders that often kind of fall into this empire builders or can get into the cycle of decline are the leaders that their primary focus is only managing up. And I think we've all seen that, right? Leaders who are far more focused on what's happening above them. And there's an aspect of, you know, all of our jobs as leaders is to, to manage up, but you can't, you know, be so focused on that, that you aren't really focusing on, you know, investing in and growing the team around you. 
So I'm going to move on to the, in our last 30 minutes that we have here. Um, oh, Chuck, did you want to add anything before I yeah. move on to the next section? Well, no, just what, what you just sort of mentioned there a little bit about how not necessarily realizing it, but, you know, I, I remember working specifically for um, a VP years ago who was focused on, you know, sort of org building, but it was very much tied to the context of what, you know, um, what success was like within the organization for leadership. and then. Um, you know, you can see that you could see it filter down into um, the the rest of the leadership team where they were more, fo they were absolutely 100% focused more on managing up than they were managing down in the success of their teams. Yeah, and it's a really, it's a really big point, because again, I think we have, we're always going to have to figure out how to balance the two. But you know, it. I've definitely seen leaders who, you know, some of what you're describing, it was like all they cared about in their entire focus was just whether or not the, the leaders above them were happy. Um, and that's that's not necessarily a way of of investing and in growing growing talent or becoming, in this case, right, the example of a talent magnet. So I'm going to jump into, and again, the last 30 minutes here. What are kind of the four practices of talent magnet, uh, magnets that you can kind of think about? And again, some of these will probably be common sense, but the, again, it's always a good reminder to even just kind of name name these things. And there's some really great kind of practices and examples that that Tamara pulled for for our research, which is, you know, there's four, which is starting with look for talent everywhere. The second is find people's native genius. The third is utilize people to their fullest. And four, remove the blockers. So as I unpack the first one, so looking for talents everywhere, right? This is a really important one, especially when you are potentially a part of a large organization. Talent magnets ignore boundaries. They cast a wide net and they find talent in many settings and diverse forms. They seek out minds that do something they may not be able to. And I've worked for leaders who specifically are very open about this. They hire people that have different perspectives, different skill sets. They'll joke, they hire people that are smarter than them and they let them you know, use their voices and be unleashed and not trying to stifle them by being the smartest person in the room. Respect the intelligence of others through actions and what they bring to the table. They listen intently to the ideas of their team and the advice that's coming and offering new perspectives. They understand and know that genius comes in many forms. And I love these examples. So one example might be somebody who's incredibly quantitative. They're really good at cognitive intelligence and verbal reasoning. You might have somebody else who's a creative genius. They're really good at innovation, fresh thinking, big ideas. You might have somebody else who is much more kind of critical, but they can spot every single problem or landmine that might be lurking out there in a plan. And then you might have somebody who can actually find the way to tunnel around all those landmines and get the work done. So when you think about your team and you look at your team and you look at who you're attracting, who are you surrounded with? What do they embody? What do they look like? What is their, their genius? How is it showing up? And as we think about when I mentioned before an org, talent mag magnets are blind to org boundaries. They live in a world without hierarchy or walls, without lateral restrictions. And this is really important, again, with big organizations, is making sure that we don't get locked into orgs and titles and roles and instead look at how do we unlock untapped talent and unleash that talent so that people can truly begin to kind of love and contribute their genius in that team. And I love this when I was thinking about, you know, recruiting, I think in addition to the kind of first point about casting a wide net, 
This is about, you know, looking at your existing organization that you're in, right? How are you leveraging networking? I mean, often we think about networking through the lens of ourselves and our own development, our own growth. But if you can start to flip it and think about networking also about recruiting, the idea of always be recruiting, constantly recruiting, even if you don't have headcount or you're not actually hiring, how do you build up a roster of people? How do you build those relationships and understand who's out there in your organization or wider in the industry that may be someone you want to welcome into your team or help you understand the genius that's around you that you can tap into. And it's really important. It helped me think a lot about my own networking and that how I show up not only to mentor individuals in my, my organization, but kind of talk about opportunities that may come up as I'm thinking about where I might be and where I might be attracting new talent or bringing new talent into my team. I want to pause there because there's a lot there. and I, was, I, I love this content. Any reactions or thoughts that you have, even as far as kind of how you have approached looking for talent and attracting talent and casting that wide net? Oh, yeah. I got a lot to say on that. Um, I think the two things that come to mind, one, uh, I've been pretty uh, adamant and, you know, and I, I couldn't do this without support. My team is 100% remote. And, you know, first off, being able to hire from anywhere has been just, you know, it's just opened the doors. You know, it, it really, it really has. I mean, the fact that, you know, that's the type of culture that we want, you know, we'll get together every quarter or every six months, whatever, have good team bonding, break bread. But the ability to sort of, you know, break the geo boundary has been just awesome, you know, and it's not, you know, fake remote where you got to go to an office three days a week and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like we, we're doing real remote and I really, really have appreciated that. I think the second thing I'll just comment on really quick outside of the network, yeah, this is what I do around internal recruiting a lot. I look for troublemakers. And what I mean is I actually think lots of times people in organizations, when they have trouble, they're trying to push the boundary of what's normal, right? And I always kind of like, I really like looking for the troublemakers because when you put all the troublemakers together, you know, maybe this is my suicide squad kind of kind of mentality on it. But like they're usually trying to do something that bucks the status quo. And when, when you get those people together and you can kind of focus that that energy into something really interesting, you end up with a super, super, super interesting team that everyone wants to be a part of. That is so fantastic, Mako. And, and I, again, a lot of great things that you said there. And actually, I think to the, the last point that you just, um, you just brought up, I'm actually going to move to the second point because I think it, it actually, I think, taps into the second principle here, which is finding people's native genius. And I think by seeking out the troublemakers, there's an aspect of really looking at to exactly your point, you know, who's trying to buck the system, who's trying to challenge status quo, which I think also probably knowing you also aligns to kind of, you know, how you operate and where you try to challenge and set a bar of pushing against the norm in a really powerful way that can lead to really, you know, strong, high performing teams that can actually be very successful in very large organizations. So I'm going to jump into finding people's native genius on that segue which is that talent magnets know how to identify, uncover, and access native genius. 
So I mean, I did. What, I mean, Kelly, I, you know me. I, I just attract crazy. So it's like you know, I don't know. It's maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. This is crazy all around me all the time. <laughs> well, and again, I think you know how to and in, in this concept, right, is in attracting you know, what could be called crazy, right? But attracting that talent, you're able to actually access what's what's inside them, right? The genius that's inside them and grow that, right? People are you know have these abilities. So if you think about what people are generally really good at what we can identify is what comes to them really naturally what can they do easily without effort or condition how do you leverage that potential so that they can do that better than anyone else and it doesn't require a lot of effort for them because it's native within them already it allows you to unlock that right and and sometimes people get this inherent satisfaction and they tend to kind of offer that capability voluntarily because it is so effortless and they can be ready immediately to do that and contribute that no matter what is going on, be it a formal job requirement or not. This is tapping into, again, what's innate within these individuals. And finding someone's native genius unlocks this kind of what's called discretionary effort. It, it propels people to go beyond what is required and offer their full intelligence. And it begins with carefully observing them in action and looking for the spikes of authentic enthusiasm and natural flow of energy. So Mako, you're likely looking at and observing the people around you and starting to see some of that coming out and attracting them in, where if we haven't been doing that or aren't practiced in that in some regard, it's starting to learn how to, how to make that happen. And so some of the things that you can do, some questions that you can ask, you know, what does that person do better than anyone else? What are they better at than the people around them? What do they do without effort? What do they do without being asked to do it? And what are they readily able to do and show up with that may not be part of that general job description or something that might be included in their, in their job description? And one of the things, and, and it came up actually the personal branding course I was in, when people leave the room, right, what is missing? So sometimes that's important for yourself to ask that question as a separate tangent, but think about the people and their native genius. When that person leaves the room, what is it that's missing? When you think about that person, what is it that comes to mind? Native genius can be so instinctive that people may not even understand their own capability. They're not aware of what, you know, what, it, what it is, what's in them, um, and how they're potentially you know, preventing themselves from being positioned to use that native genius to get noticed. And I love this metaphor. It's one that I think we've all heard. Fish discover water last. So sometimes it's about us helping people understand and raise the awareness of their own native genius. So they understand what is innate in them already that really could unlock a lot of potential for them to, to rise to a different level. I'll pause. I said a lot there. Would love to hear. Okay. I want to jump in real quick because yeah. I want to yeah. tie it back to uh, going back to like the troublemakers, because I think that, you know, one of the things that, and I'd love to hear more what you have to say, Mako or anybody else is also, you know, what makes a person a troublemaker? What's really driving that troublemaking? Because, you know, oftentimes those are the people that don't feel challenged. They feel like people aren't seeing them, right? Or they have great ideas that they don't feel are being heard. There's lots of reasons why people become, uh, and again, I think this whole concept of, of how you look at things, how you ask people questions, how you, uh, how you draw them in. And, and to your point, you know, make up putting a bunch of troublemakers together in a room can be really, it could be great or it could be a recipe for disaster. It's how you leverage that, right? Get these people to have, have a strategy about how you're going to bring out the best in them. 
Um, yeah, and so, when I say trouble, yeah. when I say troublemakers too, I, I I don't mean assholes. I mean that yeah, that yeah, that's, yeah. that is that is very different, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. I've probably given a talk four times in the last like three months about you know the number one thing is don't be an asshole. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if yeah. you're the smartest person in the room, right? You know the um, when I say troublemakers, the ones that I find are people typically challenging this, you know, a concept of that's not the way we used to do it. Right. Like, you know, I, I find like when they're trying to push ahead with a different type of, of way of work, continuous learning and, and like an organizational leader is just like, well, you know, that's, you know, we, we have our stand up every morning at 10 AM and bah, 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 you know, it's just like, you know, they're trying, they're trying to push ahead in an interesting mm-hmm. way. They, they're often misjudged as troublemakers because they don't want to conform right so it's um i don't know i mean look if you you know i'm not saying bring toxic personalities into your org that can be incredibly dangerous it's more about like look for the people that you can sort of see why their voices are being snuffed down or labeled in a certain way and you know you got to use some of your own experience there and your own judgment there but i i you know i don't know it's like i i've just had a lot of success when you when you get those people who want to look at the, doing things a little different, you put them together, like magic kind of happens. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you, you know, calling that out you know, it, because you're right. It's not people who are being assholes or people who are trying to sabotage, you know, there, there's usually something. And that's the thing I think as a leader is just that you have to like ask yourself or, or notice these things that maybe to your point, somebody's voice is being snuffed out and, and how do I bring it out? And, you know, even people who, who can maybe even borderline do that in my experience, there's been times I've, I've uh, applied a reverse strategy or something of that nature. And, um, or, you know, you know, uh, you know, you can't fight against yourself, give them something they're in charge of and, and it engages them in a different way. But I, I appreciated that, you know, you, you pointed that out because I, I knew you didn't mean that. Um, but at the same time, just kind of like, if, thank you for sharing more because it helps us think a little deeper about this. The, uh, you know, the, the talent magnet is the one that sees somebody who maybe is starting to display some of that, some of that, you know, um, resistance or they're just not, they're not feeling, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not trying, I'm not saying this right. No, and, and I, and I hear you, you know, it's like, it's, it's really interesting. I have a, a situation where there's a very highly respected engineer in a different team. And, you know, everyone really respects this particular engineer's opinions about stuff. But boy, I tell you, that person complains and complains and complains. And, you know, my conversation with that person's leader and, you know, I ended up having a coffee walk and talk with with a particular person. And I, I basically said to him, look, your words matter. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the negativity you bring also is actually worse than the, the your words. So my, my assertion is like, you know, come to my team, for example, I'm going to give you something really challenging, put up or shut up, like stop complaining, be, be, be a doer and, you know, show that there's a better way to do it. Other than, uh, otherwise you're sitting over here bitching, just pissing everybody off. Like just, mm-hmm. just stop that, you know? So yeah. I don't know. That, that's an excellent, absolutely excellent example like you know if you really want to get out there and share your ideas and do it otherwise you know 
it may be that this person's a blocker, you know, you never know, but thank you for sharing that. Well, you know, hard transparency is another thing too. Like there's a lot of people who are really afraid of radical transparency on things. And I'm not saying, you know, be an asshole, but it's just like, they need to hear it. You know, you'd be surprised how often people don't get accurate feedback or valid feedback because of fear, right? A leader might be afraid to say something or they just don't even get the thank you when, 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 you know, they do something really well. And that, that's another thing to, you know, attract talent. Like, you know, one thing I really like to do, for example, and, you know, this is something that I, I don't even remember. I think actually I had somebody at Disney do this to me and I was, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. They wrote me a handwritten thank you note one time just for something that I was doing. So like when I, you know, my team members get like super, they, they do something that's super successful. I write them like just a, a you know, I pick somebody or whatever and I do a three or, you know, four sentence, thank you, note, handwritten, throw it in the mail. Like, I got to tell you, that is like one of the most powerful things you can do to make people feel appreciated. You took the time to acknowledge a success. Yeah, there's a lot, so much great, great content that's been been shared around this concept. And I think what you're hitting on, Mako, is really important, both from, you know, there's there's small acts of recognition that can be incredibly powerful. I think, you know, even your example of, of going on the walk and talking, you know, to this individual that you were referencing, you know, one of the things that's really important, I think, as leaders is not only giving people that transparency and giving them that honest feedback in a way that's constructive, Right. But also, I think it's it's quite often as leaders that we don't also tell people what we see of, you know, their capability as well. And I've worked for leaders that have definitely been open about, you know, being complimentary and, and you know, sharing and valuing. But sometimes, you know, we as leaders, you know, have to embrace our role and the power of our voice in recognizing what people, you know, may already have within them, their native genius, tell them what it's like when they leave the room, tell them what they're naturally good at, tell them what you are observing within them. Um, because often we don't, it's really hard to see ourselves, right? The metaphor of the fish, right? Like, it's really sometimes hard to see what you're innately good at. And it's really powerful for your leader to help recognize that and play that back for you. So that you also know not only where to grow, and where you can challenge yourself to grow, but where you might already have as some genius within you that you can lean on and rely on and empower to show up in that. Uh, all right. What's the metaphor of the fish? Oh, I said it before. Fish discover water last. So sometimes you don't even know what you're really good at until somebody tells you that you're good at it. So fish discover water. Okay. I'm going to have to process. <laughs> well, and I, and I think, you know, going back to what you had said earlier, Kelly, um, what about people um, not knowing, you know, their strengths? I think that's a big part of those career development conversations that leadership, you know, can support with their um, with their employees and, um, you know, career coaching um, in general. I think, you know, one of through some of the experiences I've had where you combined um, like the Gallup strength finders, you there's the via character strengths um, and then having those conversations with them and asking them open-ended questions, you know, you can, you can kind of pull out their strengths and they don't, they don't necessarily see it. So like when you take your you know, notes and kind of go back to them and you present them, you know, what you've heard from them about, you know, sort of like their patterns in life, you know, why they've chosen certain roles, um, certain activities, um, you can glean some strengths from those um, and characteristics in addition to those surveys 
yeah, they're usually sometimes they're surprised and they, you know, and, and then it sort of clicks and makes sense for them. And it, it really helps you. It helps the organization and you as a leader to understand how to connect them to the right roles and um, opportunities within the organization, you know, and then they're more highly engaged. Um, and then they have more inside information on how to sort of, you know, progress their career path. Um, and people seem to really love that. Yeah, those are all great, great reminders for, again, how we can help people start to see themselves, you know, and help them, you know, also have a path for growth. Gary, did you want to add something? Yeah, I, I, I think as a leader, when you build that, that band of troublemakers, as Maker said, or I, I think band of rebels, maybe, um, the, the thing that we need to do is help break down the barriers for them. And, you know, people, a lot of teams put themselves in a box. They think they've got to do things the same way each time. And helping them understand that's not the case and, and they can think for themselves. Getting, taking the guardrails away, letting them try things, making sure they fail fast and, and move on to the next thing. I, I had a situation, I got a new team a couple of months ago and, you know, their problem was they, they weren't scaling. And I sat the teams down, talked to them about why, what was the problem? And they were like, well, we need more people. And that's just not going to happen. So one of the guys just came up and said, well, if we put all these tools in, in the hands of the developers, you know, that's how we scale. And I'm like, exactly. That's exactly what we need to do. But they'd all been thinking in the box and, and we've, we had to do it as a team rather than where's the best place to be doing this work and how do we support it if we get it in the best place. So I think pulling people out of their box, getting them to think um, outside of themselves, outside of what's perceived normal, um, taking away the barriers, helping them fail fast if, if, if it's not going right and moving on to the next thing is really important as a leader building those sort of teams. I completely agree on that one. In fact, in my my current new newish job I'm in, one of the things I'm saying on a very regular basis is the right people will need to be doing the right work. And that's not happening and we need to fix that. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic conversation and discussion. And thank you for sharing all of that. And I'm I'm going to, as we round out into the last nine minutes, it's a really good segue into the last kind of two concepts that we have to share on this, which is you know, the third being utilize people, you know, at their, at their fullest. So a lot of what we've already hit on, right? The ability of a talent magnet to, you know, both identify and uncover native genius of others and look for other, look for opportunities that demand that capability, putting people in the right, the right positions at the right time is really, really important. And notice people's talents, a lot of things that we've talked about, right? Label it for them, tell them what it is and why it matters, help them understand what they have within them and help teach them how to unlock that potential. And very much related to what you were hitting on, Gary, as far as the, the scaling, right? And, and Chad, what you just hit on as well. You know, connect people with opportunities that allow them to be used at their highest point of contribution. You know, sometimes we, we wanna challenge people to grow, but you know, how much more effective can it be if we help them grow within you know, areas of where they have passion or skill or capability, or again, that native genius. It's about adding those skills, but it's also not ignoring all the things that we may be innately very good at and thrive at. It's also about creating a level of engagement that propels people forward in their careers through a higher level of performance and satisfaction. We talked before about the idea of setting a very high bar. You know, Sometimes it's about setting a high bar that people can 
can strive to attain and the amount of growth and potential that is unlocked as a part of that. And as leaders creating the safe space that people can thrive in those environments that really ultimately can create life-changing and deeply rewarding experiences. And the last one is removing the blockers, right? And this is very much all the way back to the beginning and, and maybe you kind of hit on it when you said action over words, right? You know, how as leaders, how are we showing up and how are we supporting our teams and how are we helping to remove the blockers? You know, if we say that we value talent and we say that we have a high bar and we say that we want to utilize people at their highest potential, right? And tap them with their native genius, then we have to remove the blockers. We have to be able to provide both the space and resources that yield the growth. We have to remove the impediments. And sometimes, and we talked about this last week, sometimes that might be people. There might be people on the team that are not ready on their journey to embrace the things that you're trying to do or to attain the level of the bar that you're setting, right? To operate the same level of the other team members. And it's really important that we as leaders don't ignore the fact that that's a big part of our job is to under, understand and identify where there might be people that are impending the growth of others. They might be holding the team back because they're just not ready. And we have to take care of that and work through that. And we have to really make sure that we are reflecting on the impact and the influence that we have to ensure that we don't become blockers. And so when we think about kind of how this comes to practice, it's, it's about all of these coming together and the role that we have as leaders, both in identifying individuals, identifying what their, you know, their potential is and helping to unlock that. And I love this. I'm going to, you know, as we get into the last five minutes, you know, happy to open it for a couple of minutes to hear additional thoughts, but there's a couple of concepts in here for how to become a talent magnet that I really liked, which is some things you can do actually in practice. So learn how to become a genius watcher. So the exercise is make a list of eight to 10 people who you work with closely. Start to note the things they do really easily or freely. And then go beyond the surface levels. So they're good at Excel. You know, what, what else are they good at? Ask shy people about three times until you find kind of what the, the capabilities they might have. Have some conversations, dig in really deep. Two, test your thinking. Ask some different colleagues what capabilities they see. Test the thinking, watch what they're doing and see if they can, and, and talk to that person and see if the conclusions are the same. Ask them what they feel they are good at and what they want to excel in. And then work it. Once you have found someone's data genius, make a list of five different roles you think you could put this person in that would utilize and expand that genius. Go beyond the formal jobs. Identify ad hoc roles, things that they can do, tasks they might be able to just contribute to, projects. And then four, this is really important, pull some weeds. Look for people that have had a diminishing effect on the team. Recognize the high cost of a destructive genius. So this goes back to some of the things that Mako had brought up. Make a plan to remove the blockers. It's going to be difficult, but it will pay off. Huddle with the team immediately if and when you have to pull weeds or remove those blockers and let them know why this has happened and what that they were holding the team back and give them permission to fully think again and embrace their native genius. I want to pause there before I close this out. I would love to welcome any additional thoughts, things that you have reactions on, how you're thinking about the, again, the idea of the concepts that we've covered on, um, and then we'll we'll close out in just about four minutes. I, I might just say that, that I would disagree, like on, on the surface level of pull the weeds, but maybe rather uh, address the weeds and, and see if there's ways of coaching them up in a different way or or, or putting them in different roles or, or um, finding a way to make the weeds not be weeds, you know, not necessarily just like kicking them to the curb as it were. Yeah, it's always a fine line. And we talked about this a lot last week as well, right? It's always a fine line when you think about talent, 
because I think a lot of what what you know multipliers book concept and a lot of leadership concepts you do include is that this idea that everyone has potential within them right everybody has a native genius everybody has capabilities and talents and i believe that and i believe that everyone can can uh, aspire to attain very high levels of performance for themselves both in a fulfilling life as well as you know their their performance from a professional perspective and i think we start with that perspective and we work with everyone with that belief. I, I know I do personally, but I think we have to make sure that if if someone is maybe not in a position to be ready to embrace that and to embody that, we cannot be afraid of both, to your point, working with them and working with them as long as we can to work through any challenges, but also embracing that sometimes it's okay to let go and for them to find a new opportunity and we can support them on that journey, but they may not be ready to to you know be on the journey that we may be on or what maybe asking them and the rest of our team to be on and it's a really hard thing with leadership to know when that time has arrived but if we ignore it too long it can become incredibly detrimental to the rest of our team so it's about you know working with that team to your point working with that team member to your point but not not being afraid to take the necessary action to work with that individual so that you don't have an issue where they block your your team ultimately and lower the overall performance because you're not dealing with a potentially challenging situation. Agree. Yeah, I, I would just add to, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciated that, Chad. And I think it, there is really that fine line as well. You articulated that very well, Kelly. Um, but I was going to also mention that, you know, when you talk about giving people, uh, stretching their um potential, you know, looking for, yeah, again, remember the talent magnet knows uh, they, they don't, there's no obstacles, there's no boundaries, right? So looking for putting them on a committee and again, things that are going to stretch them and make them feel uncomfortable without the leader jumping in and saving them so they can really experience how to grow and how to move beyond their fears and move beyond, you know, their limiting beliefs or whatever that may be. And, you know, Kelly and I've talked many times about delegating off meetings that we really don't have to be at, that we could have somebody who's got a lot of potential who could go in there and represent, um, maybe we're there a couple of times with them if we need to be, but, or, you know, putting them on a task force outside of what our department does, our own our internal operations, put them out there, uh, offer them up for committees or task force or um, bring other people in from other departments. So there's lots of ways of doing this to stretch our people. Great. Well, this has been an amazing and very, um, very inspiring conversation as always. And I appreciate everyone sharing all of their thoughts. I'm going to close us with a, a few concepts and then I'll turn it to Tamara to close us with a quote, which is that, you know, talent magnets really encourage people to grow, but they also encourage them to leave. They write letters of recommendation. They help them see their potential. They help them step into their genius, embody who they really are and all of their possibilities. They help them find their next stage to move on from. They help them grow in their career, even if that means leaving their group. And when they do leave, they celebrate their departures. They shout their success to everyone. And these celebrations become their best recruiting tool. They create the cycle of attraction that is exhilarating for both the employer and the employee. The orgs that are become or coveted places to work. People flock to work there and they know that that talent magnet is going to stretch them, grow them, and accelerate their careers. And uh, with that, I will pass it over to Tamara to close us out. 
Thank you. So uh, I got a quote to close this out here, and I just encourage all of you this week to go out and kind of observe people around you, your team. Are you seeing the full potential and, you know, look for the strengths in, in your team and others and other leaders and also look and see who's being a talent magnet and who's being a, uh, a diminisher, an empire builder. So on that, the quote I have to close this out with, out with is from Woodrow Wilson. I not only use all the brains I have, but I uh, but all that I can borrow as well. So reminder, we won't be meeting next week. Enjoy your holiday next week. Go out and, and lead with courage and confidence. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Content. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.